When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our weekly Penguins chat. Andrew Destin coming to you with Matt Vensel. Uh, coming to you here at the start of the Penguins All-Star break, given that it's dovetailing with their bye week. So Penguins won't be back in action until February 6th against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, we're coming to you guys after the Penguins secured points in two their last two games. Uh, got three of a possible four. Um, and this essentially is a line of demarcation that we're coming to here, Matt. Um, just given that a couple of months back, Kyle Dubas, the president of hockey operations, uh, he last spoke to the media on December 11th. At that time, the Penguins were 11, 12, and 3, and essentially said that the team was going to get the chance to prove what direction he goes into, that the line of demarcation was the All-Star break. And uh, what have we learned ahead of this All-Star break? And do we think that line is still so tried and true for Dubas as to whether he's a buyer or seller with the Penguins here? I'm muted. Did you get that? We're, uh, off, to, we're off to a great start. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was saying uh, I'm middle aged. It's been a long time since I've been in college. I'm not exactly sure what line of demarcation means anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, I think your point is is like they needed to do something good by now. Yeah. Um, and I'll even I'll even bring it closer. I mean, we, he, you know, Kyle hasn't talked to the media at large, but he did his radio show with Josh Getzov um, right before they went out on this road trip. Um, to Vegas and Arizona and said, okay, like we got to finish strong and um, narrator voice. Um, they did not finish strong. So what does it mean? I don't know. Um, you know, I still think they're, you know, close enough to a playoff spot that I, I don't think it's going to completely change their calculus at this point. Um, you know, ideally they would be closer to a playoff spot and they'd go rolling into the break. Um, so I don't know if anything's changed. Um, but I do think it's important because when Kyle did his radio show, um, you know, he suggested he might want to talk to Jake Gensel's camp at the All-Star break, um, you know, and I, I think, you know, the team's recent results have to kind of factor in, at least in the back of his mind as he's going through those conversations. But, you know, I, I think the key takeaway here is the Penguins. Um, look, I, I did a, a piece for postgazette.com this morning about, you know, nine numbers that need to change for the Penguins to make the playoffs. And, you know, you look at the recent stretch that the Penguins point to like, OK, we've gotten at least one point in 15 of 20 games. And that's true. And they have climbed from 14th in the East to 10th. But, um, you know, when Kyle talked, um, you know, they were six points out of a playoff spot and here they are five points out of a playoff spot. So it just speaks to the math involved. Um, especially when it comes to those quote unquote loser points that it's just so hard to climb the standings. So, um, you know, I don't think I actually think the Penguins have made it harder for Kyle because they haven't been egregiously bad and they haven't been on a roll. And, you know, I kind of think he has no choice but to give them, um, you know, some more rope here, um, you know, to make before he makes a determination on, on what to do um, at the trade deadline. Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. I was going to say that, you know, this was probably the scenario that was least envisioned was that they play better or at least get better results 
but make up absolutely no ground in the standings, therefore making it difficult, right? March 8th trade deadline is still a little over a month away, but um, I I feel like it's just going to keep getting more runway for this team because whether option really is there. Um, But obviously a good point you bring up with Jake with the contract talks with his agent, Ben Hankinson. Um, I guess that's a good segue, though, into what you wrote, of course, uh, for Monday for post-gazette.com. Um, wanted to ask you, you know, we're here at the All-Star break. Certainly there have been some stats that have been trending in better directions for the Penguins, others in the opposite way. Um, I know there's a number, but is there one underlying trend that you look at the last two months that makes you think, okay, regardless of standings, regardless of the calculus that's involved with, you know, the Penguins getting in, is there one trend that you look to that says, hey, this is why this team could be a playoff team? Oh, they could be like a thing that needs. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I just think the X factor is the power play plain right. and simple. Um, you know, I threw in some fancy stats in this piece I wrote using um, sport logic and the NHL edge player tracking data, but the most important number for this team is the one that we can all see. And that's the power play. Um, you know, what, what are they? 13% somewhere around there. What yep. I do know is 31st in the league and they're on pace for the worst power play in team history. Um, that's not exactly what they had in mind when they traded for Eric Carlson. So, um, you know, you can point to at least five games, um, you know, including Friday's loss to Florida um, as examples of where the Penguins left one or two points on the board because their power play let them down. Um, you know, that game where they, uh, you know, three months ago where they allowed the uh, the uh, shorthanded goal on the five on three with 11 seconds left. That was against Anaheim. That's another example. I mean, there's a bunch of games you could, you could point to. But, yeah, I mean, the Penguins would be in a playoff spot if the power play was performing as, as expected. Um, you know, I do think this is one, you know, trend that, that could turn here. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be clicking like, you know, the Oilers last year. But, you know, there's still the players are there. It's a smart coaching staff, um, no matter what the uh, Internet commenters might say. Um, so there's reason to think they can pull it together and at least be a top 10 unit down the stretch. But yeah, this is the X factor. I mean, you look at how this team was built. We've discussed it previously. Um, you know, they were a team with not a lot of depth, so their stars had to carry them and the power play had to be very good for them to, you know, make noise in the playoffs or get into the playoffs. And that has not been the case. So that's got to change for sure. Yeah. Since December 12th or December 11th, excuse me, they've somehow been 23rd in the league, which doesn't really seem possible to me given the way that it's fared lately. But I think it's more a matter of they had like four or five power play goals during a week and really nothing since then. But um, the power play groups you mentioned, um, wanted to ask you about this. So Mike Sullivan, after I believe it was Friday night's game and the last power play opportunity, they'd gone one for seven. He splits up those groups. Yeah, you and I, we've seen this. Usually the only time that happens is if Sullivan gets really frustrated where he's putting the groups in a blender and that's that. The next game they come back and it's right back to status quo. But we saw Malkin and Carlson get dropped to the second unit. Um, kind of both Malkin as well as Sullivan mentioned that this is, hey, you can't keep trying the same thing. You know, something had to change all options on the table. Um, I guess it's a two-part question, but one, do you envision this as something that could actually stick? And two, do you think it actually could make a difference not having Malkin on the power play. And I guess to a lesser extent, Carlson. It's not going to stick. I would be stunned if it stick. I mean, I, I'm assuming whenever we reconvene uh, at UPMC Lumu Sports Complex a week from now, when the Penguins have their first practice, that it'll be back to where it is. Um, you know, I can see both sides of it. Um, you know, I, I think the ultimate upside of this team is 
um, the power play finally figuring it out with all their stars together and becoming a, a dominant unit. I mean, that's the way they can potentially do anything this season. Um, but the flip side is, is look, they've been awful. Um, it's not even just the numbers. Um, you know, a lot of these times they're just not getting anything going. And you could also make the case that the Penguins are so desperate that they have to just get into the playoffs and do what's best to win games now. Um, you know, at this point, I tend to lean towards the latter. Um, now, I just don't think Mike Sullivan's going to stick with that. Um, there's personalities at play. Um, we saw Evgeny Malkin didn't seem too thrilled the other night about getting yanked off uh, the ice after about 40 seconds for Crosby's unit. But it's just it, it did look different uh, without Malkin out there and maybe to a, a little bit of a lesser degree, Carlson. Um, you know, it was it was Rust, Gensel, Crosby, Pustinen, which, you know, whatever, and Latang. But they just they were more decisive. They were moving more. Um, you know, Latang just has a brings a little bit of mobility out there, at least a willingness to skate that Carlson doesn't have. And they just had more of a shooting mentality and, and urgency. And when you have Carlson out there, when you have Malkin out there, it's just like painfully deliberate um, how slow they move. And they're kind of just probing, looking for these perfect passes where I feel like the other night uh, without those guys on the top unit, um, they were just playing hockey and attacking. So, you know, I, I can see elements of that that obviously the Penguins want to replicate. And I'm not sure that they can do that um, with Malkin on the ice. But I just think the Penguins will go back to their default. Um, you know, they talk a big game about, you know, being open to all changes. But, you know, I think in the end, we'll see Malkin right back on that unit. And I don't know. We'll see if they can figure it out with him out there. Yeah, it's certainly. And one other point just to bring up there, I know you've talked about this extensively on the pod before, is just, you know, the navigating the dynamic that is coaching Malkin, right? Ma you know, managing his reputation, managing his ego, how that's certainly a factor into this too with Sullivan. Um, but I guess, honestly, this conversation with power play, the way that it should really segue or lead into is more Malkin talk, because I think that's something, you know, obviously you wrote about here for the piece on Monday. Um, it was a forgettable month of January, but really the last few dozen games um, for him, um, for the Penguins, really just not a great stretch for Malkin. What have you kind of seen from him and um, where do you see things going with him post All-Star break in terms of? you know, how he's used. We've seen different things such as uh, him getting briefly put on a line with Lars Eller and Ricard Raquel to hopefully spur his offense. Um, just what, what kind of been your observations of him and where do you see things going with Malcolm? Well, one thing I observed since we last talked is him putting the puck in his own net in Arizona. That was wild. Um, <laughs> we haven't really talked about that. Um, that happened. It's like, like three times a day. I just am like, Hey, the Penguins scored in their own net. Um, Obviously, Chris Letang had a little something to do with that. I mean, it was a slightly ill-advised pass, but Malkin is back there for a reason. It's to either receive that pass or defend the net, and he decided he didn't even do either. And I know it's just a little play, and it's a, a fluke thing, and um, you know maybe the Penguins would have lost no matter what. But I just think it kind of speaks to Malkin and his just like lack of focus, and um, you know, just like he, he's just not a reliable player. Um, you know, in the past, you would put up with it because he would have these like scoring outbursts. Um, but really, I mean, he's averaging a point every two games at even strength. That's just not good enough, especially when you consider he's not really doing anything on the power play either. So, you know, he had a little bit of a stretch there after Christmas, um, early January. I know I think it was January 8th where he played in Philadelphia and he was really good and, and he was getting praise from the coaching staff for 
you know, actually stopping on pucks instead of just looping around, kind of picking off passes like he often does. And, um, you know, it seemed as soon as he got credit from the coaching staff for, for playing a good two-way game, he just was like, all right, check that box for a while. So, um, yeah, it, it's frustrating. And I don't know. I mean, there, there's like big picture issues with the Penguins in terms of, and they're going to have to figure it out, especially if they miss the playoffs about like whether or not Mike Sullivan's the right guy to get through to these players. And that might say more about some of these players than it does about Mike Sullivan. But, you know, the fact that the Penguins can't seem to get Malkin to buy in, especially when they should be so desperate right now, um, you know, has to be frustrating for everyone. And I'm not saying it's necessarily Mike Sullivan's fault. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what they can do with Malkin at this point. I mean, they're not going to trade him. He's got a no trade. I, I don't think they're going to, you know, broach that with him um, this offseason either. But um, they got to find a way to get him going and be consistently engaged and take every shift seriously, especially in overtime. And um, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about a 37-year-old at this point. We're not talking about like a 22-year-old. So I, I can understand why um, – fans are frustrated with him this season, um, you know, because it just hasn't been good enough. Well, given that backdrop, I guess I'll follow that up with this question is, do you expect things to change? Just given what you know about him, given his age, do you expect things to change in a better direction? Because um, you mentioned that stretch right after the holidays where he was a little bit better. Maybe that's with having been rested up. But, I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you expect here? I don't know. I mean, he's an enigma. I mean, do I expect him to buy in like every game the rest of the way? Absolutely not. Um, but he's also capable still at, at his age of, of going on a heater and scoring a bunch of goals and you live with the mistakes and the cheating defensively and things like that. So, I mean, I'm not rolling out the possibility that he heats up. Um, Riley Smith should be back from injury after the all-star break. Maybe those guys rekindle what they had going earlier in the year, um, you know, so I, I wouldn't rule out anything with Malkin, good or bad, but in terms of him being like buying in and, and, and playing solid defense and, um, you know, making responsible choices, uh, yeah, I'm a little skeptical that that's going to happen game in and game out, which, um, you know, really the Penguins at this point, we were talking about the math, making the playoffs. Like they really, I know there's a third of the season left, but, um, you know, their margin for error is incredibly slim and they can't afford to give away games. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Malkin not being the guy who would be associated with trade talks. I think that's a good lead into the next topic. Um, we've talked about Jake Gensel a lot in this podcast. I'm sure he'll still come up in these discussions, but I wanted to advance a piece that you're writing. I believe it's going to come out for us on the website on Wednesday, um, putting players into different groups as to how likely or what kind of trade scenarios to envision. Um, just want to keep that conversation open-ended as to who are a couple of guys that you look to as maybe probable trade targets or who are guys not named Jake Gensel that should be big names to watch for ahead of March 8th. Yeah, obviously Jake's the big one. Um, you know, there's a few different buckets that players fall into. Um, obviously, the Penguins aren't trading Sid. You have five guys, five other guys with full no-movement clauses, you know, Gino, Latang, Carlson. Ryan Rust and our good friend Jeff Carter. So those guys are seemingly off the table. Um, you know, maybe a bunch of guys who probably don't have much value right now if they even did want to trade them. You know, some of their depth forwards, Ryan Graves, P.O. So really there's, you know, a handful of players here that I, I think are worth watching um, if the Penguins do decide to shift into selling mode. Um, Jake's the big one. 
Um, you know, if, if they're just kind of getting rid of some guys without a lot of term, um, you can look at Riley Smith. Um, Lars Eller, I, I think, is an interesting one. Um, he's got one year left on his deal. I think he's been really good for the Penguins. Um, you know, he's been their best third line center, I think, since I started covering the team six years ago. Um, that said, he's a guy who is a solid two way player. He has scored some big goals in the playoffs, including some for the Capitals during their cup run. He's got a pretty reasonable salary. Um, so I could see him being a guy um, who did have some value. I don't think you would get a first round pick for him or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think there would be suitors for a, a pretty good two way center. Um, we talked about Alex and Delkovich. Um, his play has kind of slipped a little bit recently, um, but he'll be one to watch because he's on an expiring contract. And what do we have here? Drew O'Connor, too. I think Drew is an interesting one. Um, you know, I don't think you, I would really be looking to sell him because I think he's shown a lot. And I, I think he'll probably want to stick around in Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, there might be some other teams who kick the tires on him. And then in terms of kind of guys with term, um, that maybe if the Penguins wanted to pivot, um, you know, you look at Achari. I think he's a useful player, but he could have some some value if the Penguins decided they wanted to do it. Raquel, Marcus Patterson, and Tristan Jari. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's likely any of those guys will be shopped. I'm just saying in terms of guys who have some term that if the Penguins really wanted to pivot into a rebuild, maybe those would be a few players that they would have to think about. With Patterson, he's got one year left on his deal beyond this year. So, um, you know, you do wonder um, – where he fits into their plans, especially with three other big salaries for defensemen on the books. And uh, yeah, he's a player who would probably have a lot of value if they did make him available. So just some names to consider. I'm not saying it's likely any of these guys get traded, but that's kind of like the buckets that all these guys fall into. It's it's an interesting thought exercise because I think you bring a lot to the table just in terms of without term versus with term, where these guys stand, how it impacts the Penguins ahead of uh, making decisions. But Pedersen is a guy I want to touch into right now just because you mentioned only one year remaining on that contract. Um, this is a guy who, you know, people talk about how Jake Gensel has outplayed his team-friendly deal. Um, I think you could make a pretty similar argument or at least observation about Marcus Pedersen with the way that he's played this year. Um, just given that what you've mentioned, having three defensemen on the books in Latang, um, Carlson, and Graves for as much as they are, um, is that a name, you know, again, not to put you on the spot or make you make a prediction, but like, is that something that should be maybe more seriously considered or at least thought of that, hey, this isn't a guy who's untouchable, that just given the nature of the team, that this is a polarizing guy in the sense that, it, you know, maybe the Penguins have some options with what they do with Marcus Pedersen? Well, they've uh, they've thought about trading him in past years, obviously a different management group, but, um, you know, he was almost traded for JT Miller last year. Right. Um, but Patterson's been great. I know it wasn't his best game in the last time out against Montreal. Um, and that's with him scoring the game winner in overtime. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they should like really be looking to trade him unless they don't think he they can fit him in their longtime pitcher. I mean, you look at the contract they gave to Ryan Graves. Um, I don't know if they feel any regret with that one. But, you know, obviously Patterson has been far better um, and you would – like to think maybe they, if they could go back in time, they would just turn around and, you know, earmark that money for Marcus Pedersen. So, you know, I don't know if they can justify, you know, adding another bigger contract. I mean, I, I would think Pedersen at minimum, 
would be looking at a longer term contract of at least four or five million with how he's played. I mean, he's not a huge point producer offensively, but I think he's he's good enough in that area and breakout stuff to to go along with his defensive prowess. So um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I mean, I'm not running the team. I wouldn't be looking to trade Jake Gensel. Um, you know, I, I see Patterson as a guy who you, you should want to keep around if the price is right. I'd maybe look to move some of these other guys to create the space to keep Jake and Pedersen. But, um, you know, again, I'm not running the team. Their hands are tied with all these no, no movement clauses, um, like, like Carlson, for example. Um, you know, he can veto any trade. And even if he was open to be moved to any of the teams, how many suitors are out there for him? Um, so I, I think Kyle Dubas, um, you know, has, has kind of put himself into a tough spot with some of these moves he made. Um, so that's just another kind of fascinating layer to this. Like, you know, do they get to the trade deadline? And he said, well, I, I aired, lot, aired last summer um, by making some of these moves. Now it's time to pivot into a rebuild. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many paths this team could take. I, I think that's why if you look around the league, um, you know, there might be no team that's kind of more fascinating to watch right now than the Penguins. Yeah. And there's a lot of, right. And there's so many paths of resistance there, like you mentioned with Carlson, the no movement, just the hefty contract he has, how that makes it difficult to move. But um, I guess in terms of the guys who are on the shorter term, um, I want to bring that up just to say, like, hey, is there any of these guys who might be easier to pull off a true hockey trade like we've talked about? Like if that's a, you know, a Riley Smith, because you think maybe a change of scenery that here hasn't worked uh, the way it worked out in Vegas, like I bring him up. But um, are there any of those guys that maybe it's contract for contract, it could be pretty even that a true hockey trade is possible, just given it being a shorter term of the deal, or is that not something that you think is necessarily on the table for any of those guys? Well, the the salary amounts is like another wrinkle here when it terms to in terms of making moves. Like that it's part of the reason why it's hard to see them being much of a buyer because um they don't really have many contracts in that like kind of middle to lower middle class range in terms of amount. Um, you know, with Smith, I, I would think he would be a guy that they should be looking to move on from um, if he gets back and there's interest in him. I mean, at minimum, they they could, you know, they traded a third round to get him. You think they might be able to recoup a similar pick uh, if they just simply sold him. Um, but that is a guy I think you could watch in a hockey trade. Raquel, same thing. He's making, I think, $5 million. Um, he's got some more term. Um, I think those are more in the range. Like if you're talking about just bringing in a, a different type of player or two and not trading for future assets, you know, those are two kind of obvious places to look, I would think. Right. Kind of in the same camp with you. Same with Raquel, just given how that season's gone for him, that um, he's fared well last year, but maybe a change of scenery might do him well, but. But it'd be selling low. I mean, same thing with Riley Smith. I mean, with Smith, I, I still think, um, you can get a little something back because it, there's essentially like one one year left on it beyond this year. Um, but Raquel might be a harder sell because of the term. But um, yeah, there's just not a lot of obvious candidates, um, you know, if they're looking to, to try to improve the team before the trade deadline. Well, one way they could improve the team, and this is something I cannot believe I'm saying on this podcast, but it could be internally. There could be a potential for that, right? Um, I'm, I'm alluding to, of course, that the Penguins... Um, as I don't know what you're alluding to. What are we alluding to? We're talking Jesse Pugliarvi and Sam Poulin because Val Valtteri Pustinen and Ryan Shea both got sent down to the minors on Sunday. 
Um, and those are two guys that I wanted to bring up just to gauge your interest to see if you think there's any potential, either of them or one of them, or I guess neither of them. But those are two guys that are legitimately highly thought of in the organization. Bully Arby, just given what he did at the NHL level and Poulin being a former first rounder, wanted to gauge your interest of are either of those guys somebody that we could see joining the Penguins roster here after the All-Star break. I mean, joining the roster, sure, making a major difference. No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, enough to move the needle. I mean, this is a needle that really needs to be moved from like here to here. Um, sorry to our audio listeners who didn't see my cool hand gesture. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Poulin can help. Uh, I'm, I still believe in him as a player. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like a top six winger in the NHL, but I think he could be a solid two-way third liner. Um, you know, do I think he could be an upgrade over like Jansen Harkins? Uh, absolutely. Matt Nieto, if he ever comes back, sure. Um, you know, we'll see about Pugliarvi, but, you know, in terms of either or both of those guys coming up and, and, you know, changing the trajectory trajectory of this team in a big way, I, I just don't see them being those type of players, but can they help? Sure. I, I think they could come in and, and, you know, approve upon some of the guys that they have already. Sure. Right. And on that conversation, just briefly, Pustinen um, had the assist in or Saturday's game. But in January, what do you think was the difference with the version of him that we saw versus um, in December? This was the first real NHL shot we got from him. What did you kind of learn about him as he heads back down to Wilkes? Uh, what did I learn? Jeez. <laughs> I don't I mean, I mean, I think he did a little bit better than I thought, um, just because, um, you know, there was a thought you know, from people who follow prospects and stuff like that, that he could be kind of a tweener. You're to use the baseball analogy, like the, the classic 4A player where he can produce at lower levels, but, uh, you know, his size and some of his, you know, limitations would not translate to the NHL. And I do think that was the case in terms of the scoring. Um, you know, he wasn't a guy who was coming in and lighting it up. But I do think he fared a little bit better in terms of his play, you know, without the puck. Um, you know, that said, look at the playing time. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that Sullivan, you know, down the stretch of a, a couple of recent games, he was playing Malkin, Eller, and Raquel together. Well, that was at the expense of Pustinen, um, who just hasn't been playing a ton in crunch time. So, um, you know, I'm not saying coaches are 100% right all the time, but that did give us a little bit of a glimpse of, of how the coaching staff feels about Pustinen. Not to say that he's performed badly, but he's not entirely a guy that um, they're trusting. So, you know, I... It'll be interesting to see. I mean, they, they did send him down, as you said. I think Wilkes has three games during the All-Star break. Um, you know, it could be a scenario where the Penguins are like, let's get this guy some playing time because he's only playing, you know, 9, 10, 11 minutes per game for us right now. Um, or it could be something where they send him down and maybe we see Poulin or Pugliarvi, um, you know, in Cranberry a week from now when the Penguins reconvene for practice. So I, I will be interested to see ultimately what happens with him. Yeah. Something to track with those guys. Obviously, this bottom six has not been the most impactful in terms of scoring. Lars Eller, obviously the leader of that group, but just something to bring up uh, as we head into the All-Star break because, like you mentioned, there's a couple of options the way the Penguins could go here. Wilkes does have those three games, so curious to see what happens there with those guys, but um, a lot of discussions there. It's time for us to get into our stick taps. Matt, you want to lead us off, or is this in my corner? I got two today, so I'll go first. Um, oh. We were just talking about the man – Lars Eller, um, stick taps to him, 1,000 games, and he scored in career game number 1,000. Um, random stat. This is a Seth Rohrbach stat from our buddy over the Trib Review, but it's a good one. 
only nine players in NHL history um, have scored in the first game in career game number 1,000, nine players. One of them was Lars Eller. Uh, the other one is Evgeny Malkin. Um, so nice random stat that someone like Seth could enjoy, but um, it's been a good career. And, and like I said, uh, Lars Eller has been sneaky good for the Penguins. Um, I actually think he would be a compelling candidate to, to play on the top power play. You're talking about being decisive and you know knowing where you're going to pass before the puck gets to you. Um, that's what we've kind of seen from him on the second unit. So anyways, great night for him. Great milestone. Uh, cool to have his family there. A little bit weird that they're doing like the, the number 20 Jersey and warmups for a guy who's played like 22 minutes for the Penguins. But um, you know, I, I guess uh, the Penguins are always going to kind of err on the side of, of class when it comes to nights like this. So anyways, that was a rant. Stick tap. Lars Eller. That was lovely. Um, could I also give my stick taps in addition to yours on uh, Lars Eller? I just wanted to note uh, the Alex Ovechkin and Tom Wilson video tributes on the video board that genuinely made me laugh when the crowd booed. Like, yeah, stick I, taps to the fans. That was great. <laughs> that was. I genuinely couldn't stop laughing on presser on that one. So thank you for that, everyone. Yeah, I think a few of the players got a kick out of it too. I mean, how could you not? It just was. I don't know sports. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I'll give my stick taps to Marcus Pedersen. Um, you brought up with him getting the game-winning goal on Saturday. Um, that's his second of the season. That ties his whopping career high of two in a season. But all jokes aside, I mean, he's entering the all-star break with the best plus-minus on the team. This guy's just been really excellent all season long. Um, I can't really point to – maybe there's like – I can count him on one hand of how many bad plays he's made defensively or taken bad angles. He's really impressed me this year. So stick taps to Marcus, uh, Marcus Pedersen. Um, He's my guy. He is your guy. Um, last stick tap, Sidney Crosby. Have we we only barely mentioned him in passing once. Um, yeah. But, again, he's playing great. Uh, the pass he made against Montreal was unbelievable. Um, it was the focus of my game story. Um, to take that pass from Pedersen, to do basically a blind backhand spin, spinorama pass, um, through two defenders right under Jake's stick. Jake said he didn't even know Sid was passing it until he felt it hit his stick. Um, you know, maybe that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, Sid did 99% of the work on that goal. And we'll see. It was the turning point in that game. Maybe it'll be the turning point in the Penguin season. Um, you know, if they do go on a roll here after the break, that might be a moment where you point back where they were on the verge of, you know, losing their four straight. And that put them in position to get the winner in overtime. But heck of a play by Sid. And, you know, we'll see if the Penguins are able to build on that one. Yeah, that was a heck of a play. I mean, I, I said it to family and friends after. That's the, probably the coolest thing I've seen on a rink before, at least in person. And, you know, it's a, a cool play when people who don't watch hockey, who are from California, that text me and say, hey, did you see this? I'm like, yeah, well, I, I covered the Penguins. I, I would hope that I saw that. So. Uh, regardless, agreed on the skip on the stick taps. So that was that was pretty darn cool to see from Sud. Low key, low key brag by you. I I was talking with my many friends in, in <laughs> various locations. Okay, I had my dad. You have friends me. in every city. I don't, I don't. It blows my mind. You're like, oh, I'm going to St. Louis. I'm going to go hiking with my friend from, <laughs> I, I don't know, the basketball team in high school. Like, you have friends in every city. I have like three total friends. Like, if and when you ever. Uh, get married and have kids, you'll find that you've suddenly only talked to like six total people. Um, so you get all that that fun and friends in now because when you get older, it's not happening. 
See, this smile is here. I, I can't wipe it off because I know all of that's true. And I, I'm enjoying it while it's here, Matt. That's I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm good. I got like five people I talk to. I don't need more. That's a lot of work. My wife wants to make new friends, like talking to other parents in school. It's like, have fun. Have fun. That's all you. Yeah, you're good. Well, you got the dog to walk. You're a busy guy. Come on. You're occupied. But all right. That's enough. You guys have heard us rant enough. We got to let you guys go. Um. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We'll catch you guys after the All-Star break. In the meantime, keep up with uh, all our coverage on postsavinggazette.com, and we'll catch you guys again next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. <laughs>